Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Human Source Codex. Today, Kelly and I are going to jump into a into a topic that I was listening to a podcast the other day um, on the Electric Universe, and the the speaker brought up a really interesting topic around how scientists or anyone that dives deep into a specialty field um, they start to create really strong confirmation biases and therefore blind spots. So anyone that understands what a polymath is, someone that studies um, many different ologies or, or fields and topics and goes deep into each one, it gives them a bit of an overview effect of being able to connect the dots more effectively because they have a broader view. So I was curious, Kelly, on, on your view on basically how to minimize blind spots and you know confirmation bias. Hey, Ben. Uh... I love the electric universe. Walt Thornhill is one of the greatest physicists, I think, of all time, and like is a worthy listen to what he has to actually say. You know, I just love his authenticity too, right? Like, yeah. uh, he just says it how it is in his perception and in his belief system too, as well. And, you know, and I love that with people, you know, just be who you are in that format instead of subordinating to how you think you need to be. And to me, that is also the ultimate blind spot people actually are <laughs> having to subordinate to how you need to be right in terms of uh, societal projections or injections just just be who the fuck you are you know like just, mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and so your question is how to minimize blind spots in what format in confirmation biases related to well so i'll give you a real life example um in bear with me, I hope it's not a tangent, that, you know, when we look at the consulting or coaching world and, and let's look at, say, marketing, right? When we are an infatuator or attached to an outcome and we're looking for a hero on the outside in order to give us a solution to a problem, we can get a massive confirmation bias too, especially when they can back up their training or their mentoring or coaching with, I helped blah, 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 get this income. You know, when they've got three or four case studies, it becomes quite a big case that they're putting across that they can also help you solve the problem and achieve the fantasy especially if you're infatuated with it so i'd call that a massive confirmation bias and i'd also call that an imbalanced perspective um, and a possible blind spot right and what i mean the direct experience i've had with that is buying many courses over the years in different fields marketing being one of them and the blind spot would continually be an emotional draw meaning it wasn't so much the information that I was lacking, it was the implementation through to the high infatuation with the attachment of the outcome, which was driven and then which drove fear. So then that led me down the emotional and the human behavior aspect. So that's what I mean by a strong confirmation bias to something. How do we, how do we minimize those blinds, those blind spots, those polarized confirmation bias, so we can have more objectivity in the way we go about life? Simply by asking the question to the other side of what your bias is, right? Or if you're attached to something or infatuated with something that's being sold to you or delivered to you, is asking a quality question of, is this true? And going into uh, the mystery of the unknown and allowing yourself the, the ability to look for the opposite that's in that moment, right? Because everything that is being delivered by, it doesn't matter if it's a marketing specialist or a teacher, 
there is an opposing force somewhere in the universe actually to it, right? So we can then ask the question is, is this in alignment or incoherence with my biases? And our biases are directly correlated or related to our axiology. And axiology or tele our axiology is our is, is what we actually value most in our lives, right? So I'm a teacher, I'm a researcher, I'm a consultant, I'm a speaker. So anything that is going to maximize my potential in being able to deliver the, the, the classes or the teachings or the podcasts that, you know, like just like this now, I'm going to be drawn towards, right? So that's where you have a bias towards something. Right? So we have this confirmation bias towards something to actually purchase or, or to bring it into us or to you know, be able to uh, take knowledge in, to be able to give knowledge back out. So it's having that awareness of what your axiology is in the way that you're actually drawn towards something or repelled from something. Right? Mm -hmm. So we can have disconfirmation biases too where we're actually uh, repelled away from something. Yep. So the blind spots are in that where we are actually getting to a place that we perceive that um, whatever whatever we are actually being drawn towards to is going to give us more benefits and drawbacks, right? Now, to be able to bring that into a state of balance or into um, a state of full awareness or a state of equilibrium is to be able to look at uh, the... The, the drawbacks to anything that you actually are intaking, consuming, or uh, bringing into your awareness, right? Because it does, it's there. And therefore you have objectivity, right? And I like to call that, that is a higher state of awareness or a higher state of consciousness to be able to be objective in anything that you do, which gives you a, a greater sentiment of consciousness in being able to move forward in whatever it is that you choose to do. So it becomes a conscious choice. If that is relevant to what my axiology is in relation to my teleology. Now your teleology is your end in mind or your vision and mission or your final cause or your calling as a person. So your axiology is the driving force, your teleology is the pulling force, right? So we, those things are never separated in space and time but the majority of people don't have any awareness about these particular things. And so uh, when I'm consulting, what I have noticed is particular blind spots that occur within uh, corporations or even in relationships around different confirmation aspects, confirmation biases towards their values, right? So another blind spot that could be uh, seen within that is not being able to communicate to another person's confirmation bias or their axiology. So really we could just say confirmation biases are axiologies and you'll pull towards something. Cool. And then yeah. we can also take that into another aspect of, um, I prefer, like, um, thank you for mentioning uh, polymaths because I'm more of a specialist generalist across many fields where I have uh, opened myself up to actually be, be not so specialist in particular areas and just be in one particular force, I call it. I prefer to be across many different fields so that I have a, a vast array of knowledge and a higher sentiment of wisdom to be able to offer you know, teachings in many different areas. And what we tend to see is that 
uh, when people become so specialist, they become so biased in those particular areas. So they are then not able to actually see the holistic approach, right? They can't see a pairs of opposites. They can't see the opposing vectors. They can't see the entanglement of the whole that is particularly uh, pertaining to, because everything to me is whole. So we cannot minimize um, one part off another part. I hope that made sense. We can't negate one part off another part because they are all playing a specific role, right? So if we have scientists who, you know, there's many different aspects of scientists that they specialize themselves out as, but really uh, science and metaphysics are inseparable within from each other. Yeah, without the mystery, as you say. Exactly. The, uh, the right? yeah. Exactly. So, you know, we have the history and we have the mystery. And this is the thing, like pairs of opposites that are never separated in space of time. They're consistently entangled. And so it's wisdom to actually see that and to, to sit in the question, right? This is the greatest sages and mystics of all time knew this. And so, you know, um, without wanting to you know, like slam specific scientists because there is a need for this particular stuff. But what it is, is bringing a bias towards finite nature and not allowing for a mystery. So it becomes, you know, um, absolute in their perception. And, but really anything that becomes absolute becomes obsolete in time, right? And trends then. Pardon? We can see that as trends, trends become obsolete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and also too is is looking at um, anything that is really really specialized becomes pretty obsolete pretty quick, right? You know, like it it's it's done. So you know, I think I've shared the shared the story about the northern white rhino that was kind of like a specialist in his area in in the way that he he actually lived his life, and now he's become extinct because of that because he couldn't adapt, he couldn't adapt throughout time. So nature is, nature is abhorring a vacuum. And so it's wanting us as human beings to be, become adaptable. So, uh, and, and we see this in businesses all the time, like how do you value add to your business? You know, how can you diversify and don't have, don't just have one stream of income, have multiple streams of income, right? Because you, re, you reduce the volatility like within yourself as a species or in nature. So, you know, that is wisdom within that. So a blind spot of specialization is, is that you, you increase volatilities. And if you, if you actually can become more generalist in nature and more holistic in your approach, you reduce volatilities. 100%. Well said. Mm. I think there's a couple of things that you mentioned and I just wrote a couple of notes that, um, you know, I wonder if we can we can shift a, a view or paradigm on um, blind spots in the form of, you know, I wrote a note here, blind spots occur. I wonder if blind spots occur when confirmation bias is outside the ratio of perception. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like, if it, it definitely outside the ratio of perception is like a confirmation bias, like it's a highly polarized in one area that's specialized. That's a highly polarized area being a mm -hmm. specialist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So therefore, it's outside of the ratio of perception relevant to all of the vector entanglements of a holistic universe, right? 
Sure, sure. But I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to bring the, a little bit of finite to it with an example. Well, fuck me, you can't because this is what I'm no, saying. I'm trying to be finite to it. I'll, I'll, and show this you. Is the... <laughs> I'll show you how. For example, okay. so we'll use show me. <laughs> we'll use me. So I, I have a bias and um, I'm quite polarized to finances. Yes. Therefore, mm -hmm. if I go out and look for um, mentors or people, that I feel, oh, that's the that's the secret, or that's the that's the information I need to achieve my business goals. Mm -hmm. If I'm too attached outside of, so my ratio of perceptions outside what's neutral, say I'm going to be mm -hmm. slung and therefore create create a blind spot because I'm so infatuated with that mentor or that piece of information or that that solution. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, I can see. I can see you smiling. Like, yeah, you did. That's what I mean by bring it more finite with an example, and so that kind of leads into the the question of you know I saw a a a, an, a, a marketer this morning say saying you know look you have one problem one offer one audience equals focus, and I'm like, cool. So just like how you said before around diversification diversification this makes sense especially when we're in like invest investing right ray dalio says this i mean many of people say diversify your investments not all, all one eggs one basket and i'm thinking here is this is there wisdom at the start of a startup of one problem one offer one audience before diversifying or even is that to find out because you and i've gone back on back and forth on this many times look, look i think i think you know we can look at again this is a bias towards how we should be doing something right which is a projection or an injected authority from somebody who's made that rule and so they've also looked at potentially like the the lowest state of consciousness in the animal mind is be able to actually focus on one thing cool. specifically if you're a man um and but it's <laughs> It's, it's taking that minimalist approach because we have become so hedonic in nature where we're seeking pleasure without pain, right? And But again, in that, seeking pleasure without pain, setting that up because that's an easy option for any human being to be able to do, focus on one thing at one time, present one thing at one time, become a specialist in that. But if we go, okay, now hedonism, avoiding, ple avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, now, I know in the fact that the moment you do that, you're going to attract pain because you've minimized yourself, right? And you haven't looked at everything objectively. And this is what I've seen with many entrepreneurs and startups and even CEOs and businesses that, that really have just stayed in that realm is that they get so freaking burnt out because they haven't been able to diversify add value to their business. They've just stayed in one lane, one topic, one fucking specialist area. And, and basically, you know, by heat, by hedonic adaptation, they become desensitized to everything and becoming overwhelmed. So they get these stresses that come on top of them, which is the nightmares to waken them up, to go to the next evolutionary realm. Right? So I disagree with the marketing constructs that are out there and I've had many conversations like with you, with uh, other marketers, there's a guy that come in here the other day and he was like, oh, well, you just have to niche down. I'm like, bullshit. I don't want to niche down because I know that that will actually kill me. 
and that will kill my business, right? But I understand the concept that you've actually just taken that, that story from somebody else, probably Sam Ovens or Russell Brunson or, you know, those particular guys who, who actually took it from somebody else and somebody else and somebody else because that's an easy way to actually create a dollar from somebody to rescue them from themselves because they don't want to put the effort and the energy into actually building a sustainable business that has multiple aspects or multiple layers of less volatile streams of income. Great. So you said that, yeah, you, you said that mm. unpack that perfect to leading to my point of what I mentioned before. You said this, this solution gets marketed to a lower conscious consciousness mm -hmm. individual of overwhelm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. And this is why when we look at uh, personal development or anyone that's in mentorship of, of the mind that the more finite the language that the guru and the leaders, you know, Tony Robbins uses will of course be the gateway or, the, or, or to the masses because the masses want the meaning and the finiteness, right? As I've just started well, following. What the yeah. But it's also that the unconscious creates confirmation biases relative to their fears, right? Or their voids that they don't know how to ask quality questions to be able to fill that. So you recorded it, you can listen to it. <laughs> I don't know what happens that comes out of my mouth. It's just a download that happens. Right. Right? Okay, is, yeah. is that we, we want to be able to um, be aware of those particular things, right? Is that as a confirmation bias relative to your fear that you think that you need something to rescue yourself with, right? But you haven't actually thought objectively about scaling a business, or putting the, the systems in, in multiple different layers of object, objective questioning and objective ideating and objective innovation to be able to build a business that is going to be uh, uh, sustainable, but also regenerational, right? So when I talk about regenerative businesses, I mean that it's going to be there over the generations of time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's having an awareness across all vectors that are all entangled. What parts do I need to be able to add value to my vision and mission to be able to have this occur, but to become everlasting. Mm -hmm. yeah. So many, so many people that uh, come to me that are in burnout because they, they're still stuck in the confirmation. This is another blind spot. Well, you know, like I bought this product of such and such and he told me that it would work and I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but it's costing me, um, you know, more money than I'm actually bringing in. But they're still stuck in the belief system because they've been sold the fantasy of that one aspect approach. To, to be able to, you know, like transcend their business to a different layer or transcend themselves to a different layer. But it's not one thing. It's a mm. multiple aspect approach that will take you in an evolutionary aspect to evolve yourself and evolve your business. So awareness in consciousness across multiple vectors is wise to be able to see that in an overview effect. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where um, that's where my journey kind of first started and had that awareness of, you know, you'll say um, the one thing being sold or the solution or the product or the package or whatever, and, um, and as we as we know, it's it's very it's very rarely the lack of information 
to help someone achieve an objective or a goal, it's the implementation. And if implementation is not happening, again, it's very often not the information, it's the emotional stuff that's going on in below, again, which is why that took me on that direction. Um, so again, when we look at people selling marketing courses or weight loss or whatever it happens to be, yes, they're, they're selling all the tactics and strategies, um, but they are quite often not equipped with the, the mindset stuff. And even if they are, and they put a mindset modules in there, again, it's information. It's not the mentoring and coaching at a one-on-one -on -one level that really gets people popping. And, you know, you put me onto that book, um, Never, I think, paraphrasing, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is a great book on negotiation, um, which is full of tactics and strategies. And halfway through the book, Chris says, you know, essentially paraphrasing, none of this is really going to be that helpful if you cannot manage your own emotions. And I've read so many books along the lines of negotiation and sales that as I'm reading it, I start to play out a story in my head like shit. Well, I remember when I first, I first listened to Tony Robbins on selling and I'm thinking like, how do I remember everything that I need to put into a one-on-one -on -one conversation? You're totally not present, right? You're creating this whole story going forward on how to sell. And um, for me, the next, the next ninja trick or the next thing that trumps everything else at the start is gaining uh, poise and presence over mind so that you can employ any kind of tactical strategy that needs to get done. That's the... Very, yeah, very much so, right? In the moment you can have poise and presence over mind and you start to have an awareness that you're being swayed by rhetoric into confirmation biases, then you can stop and pause and you go, you know, I call it the third space, you go into the third space and then you can make an object, objective decision, right? Is this somebody that's trying to, to sell me something that I should be doing? That is, I can feel into it, right? With empathy and with awareness, conscious awareness, and your intuition will pop to you if you're present and poised and you have governance over your emotions. If this is something that is you know basically going to be worthy of taking into business or into into yourself or your life right or is it just you know like another short um short-term fix that i'm trying to get to actually reprieve myself from some pain that's inside of me that i'm that i'm looking to actually you know re remove from myself or some fear of something right so the, yeah. do you understand what I'm saying? You know, like I see so many, I see so many people that go, go to all these, and I, you know, I was one of them for sure, you know, and, but I didn't know any different back then, but throughout all my years of, of doing research. And I think as, as a younger person, I've always had this, uh, insatiable aspect to devour knowledge and understand everything that comes my way so maybe i'm just a little bit fucking queer to most people and it's taken me on this journey of of questioning uh everything that comes my way and that has its drawbacks too as well but um mm. it's also opened up to my scope of awareness and consciousness and my depth of knowledge across multiple different fields uh immensely so but I could also see back when I first entered into 
you know, business is like, oh, well, you know, who am I going to, who am I going to learn from? Who am I going to follow? You know, somebody told me that I should get a business coach and somebody should tell me we should be part of this business group and all these particular things. And I, I remember actually, I think I forked out, it was like $35,000 for a business group that I was in once. And, you know, like I had this thing, right, great. This is going to, this is going to be it. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take all this, this information I'm going to put it into my business and and it's going to grow, you know, tenfold, you know, because I was sold that red pill. So I was like in that belief system of it. So I, I had a bias towards, you know, I've just got to keep doing what they tell me to do. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, I realized along, along, along the way, it's like, oh, well, you know, like I need that part and 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 that part and that part and that part. So there was multiple different parts that were required to actually operate the business in systems and strategies to do that. And then I also started to realize that, oh, well, I can't just get this from one place in this business group. It had to come from multiple different people, right? So I was really curious to that. I was like, holy shit, you know? Like, in, and we know a business is made up of multiple different people. And we also know that human beings are made up of multiple different traits, right? So I was like, fuck, now this is really interesting. What if I can master all these particular areas and become a whole person and be able to to offer that information? And then I started research and realized that, well, that's a polymath, right? So so I started to dive deep down into that aspect so that I could bring awareness. And then along that journey, I started to discover all the aspects around emotions and human behavior and, and neuroscience and uh, all of all of those particular things that do have anything to do with human behavior. So, and what I discovered is that the number one thing, really, that gives us the greatest aspect of growth and the greatest aspect of transformation or self-actualization, is to have knowledge and understanding of the way that we behave and the way, the way that we're actually what we're drawn towards and what we're actually repelled from. And our axiology is the driving force of that. And so everything can really stem from that. And then you make conscious decisions on how you're going to add value to your own life and your business is outside of you. So you're adding value to you by having the ability to be able to integrate your emotions or have governance over your emotions to ask quality questions, to make quality decisions, to to actually transform and transcend your own life. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's, it's interesting as you're, as you're discussing, as you're doing a bit of a download there, it got me thinking about reverse engineering feedback. And because I've been pretty out of touch with intuition and, and, and my body, and like I guess you could say over the years, become more desensitized because I have I got so bought into the model of this whole... Um, one problem, one offer, you know, that the realm of overwhelm. So let me look for the finite is that as I now look for or look into opportunities, whether it be a business opportunity or whether it be an information opportunity or a mentor opportunity, that the feedback for me first starts with, do I feel excited about this? And if I'm feeling up and excited and elated, that's enough, the first feedback system for me to go, okay, I'm getting up, I'm getting outside the ratio of perception, I'm getting infatuated towards something, which is going to create the feedback of then attachment, and then the fear is going to pop up. The fear of the sale, whatever, right? 
So for people kind of listening, that's, that's starting to wrap their head around this and thinking about feedback is that if you're seeking a coach, a mentor, information and opportunity, you know, you're almost on the right path. If you don't really get that, uh, we'll call it elated and excited over gaining that opportunity. If you're more in the sense of, um, we'll call it inspirational enthusiasm, which is not to be mistaken for excitement and infatuation. Um, because then you're coming into it with a more of a neutral mind. You're not going to get a slap in the face in the form of fear because you're less attached and you've seen both sides. It's taken me an awful long time to uh, come around to. Nonetheless, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. But it's such a, an important you know, piece. That... Yeah, well, it is. But I guess, Benji, too, is that the majority, like, if you're listening to this podcast, you think you're like, what the fuck are they talking about, right? And... <laughs> talking about okay hang on a minute you know but we've been sold being told to get excited about things and what is life if we don't have any excitement and um and if we talk about inspirational enthusiasm and then not being attached to an outcome like that may blow people's brains like what are you talking about <laughs> I right, remember, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it would be like hang on a minute but then there's nothing to do right but so this requires a bit of developing out in that format and yeah. not being attached to, to, to many things, right, is, is that you, it, it, it's a beautiful place to be and, a, and it, it's a hard place to actually get to, but it's a beautiful place to actually be in. Now, um, so I want to, we will develop this out on, a, on another podcast like further and please note this down, Benner, that we will. Because I think this is totally relevant to understanding the art of um, inspirational unattachment, where you're really, really extremely present in the moment to what it is that you're actually delivering. But a person must understand to what their path is to be able to get to that point and be free from subordinations of others. And this is what I, we started the podcast now. I love people who are completely authentic and able to speak from that heart space about what it is that's most important to them in their teleology. So they're not attached to being judged by others. So that's, an, that's a form of unattachment. And you probably figured out I'm pretty much like that too. I don't give a fuck what people actually think about, about me in the way that I deliver my messages because I am uh, who I am. And in my inspiration, in my teleology to raise consciousness is... I will be all things that Mother Nature, God, or whatever you want to call it, has given us the ability to be able to express in the form to deliver my calling. So that in the aspect of that, when you stay in that lane, which is, you know, we could say it's not just one thing, but in, within it's in, nested inside of that is multiple different things. I become unattached to what other people think of me, right? Which is the highest form of what I've found most people actually don't actually move forward because they're attached to what people think which drives a fear which stops them in a blind spot or a bottleneck from progressing mm. Mm. yeah exactly and that's, that's the same thing that I've I've come to find and you know to give more give some further context on um, a few years back being part of a um, pay a good amount of money to be part of this this group that was around business and marketing and it was sold around business and marketing, not mindset. Yet when someone, when the, one of the, the owners of the group or the head of the group mentor, whatever 
went and put a poll out on what you'd like to learn most about or get help with, the top three answers were around like fear, overcoming fear, overcoming overwhelm and imposter syndrome. None of those had to do about like a marketing tactical strategy or a business marketing tactical strategy. But what happens is if someone is not aware to um, what help that they need or they can't afford a coach or whatever that the, the problem has to be, they just go back to the start of the course, learn all the information, the same tactics and strategies, run into the same bottleneck, go back to the start of the course because they think they missed something. And I say that because was, <laughs> this was me. Um, and deep down it's because I didn't know what's, where to find the solution to emotional intelligence to get past these bottlenecks. And um, man, like I, and I, that's why I think, you know, I do have such a massive confirmation bias to this whole, you know, getting the emotional mm. intelligence up and well, um, overcoming it's, those bottlenecks. It's, it's coming into awareness of the style of teaching that you've actually invested into as well. So again, it's bringing awareness too. There are people that actually, you know, teach rote learning and it's also having the awareness of whether you're being taught on um you know like what to think as opposed to how to think right so there's a vast difference between those two aspects and and i see this specifically like in traditional forms of education it's you're taught what to think not how to think objectively so it's giving yeah. the absolutisms or the finiteness to, to you know, um, what you're thinking about. And I remember going through school thinking that, you know, that must be true because that's what my teacher told me because I'm actually being subordinate to that and we have them on a pedestal. So we think that that is the truth. Uh, so that's where you're taught what to think, not how to think, not to actually ask questions or how to expand your mind into into being an objective observer to, you know, like both sides, right? So then we can look at, again, we come back to everything in the universe, in the electric universe, we could say like uh, where we first started this podcast is that in electric universe that we have um, electromagnetic universe, pairs of opposites, like positive and negative poles, which is all traits have, expressional traits have a, an opposing force to them. And go now you've heard me talk about physics electron uh, proton etc go down to an atomic level at that layer where we are just a reflections of those and then we can also look at that we are all energy vibrations which is waves and particles which are not separated so you start to see that there's pairs of opposites in everything that is out there now what really gets me is that inside of all of this because of the inability of the human mind to conceptualize abstraction, it brings a level of density to our perceptions. And therefore, this is where I'm linking in, you become hedonic in nature because it's easier for you to actually only see one side than it is to actually integrate and to assimilate or synthesize the pairs of opposites to see. And that's what we call objectivity, right? So coming back to your thing you know like um your marketing thing is that you went there to learn marketing but inside of that they had all these other subjects right which is no different you go to university it has all these subjects inside of it so they make up the whole of that one thing we call that one thing a label but it's made up of a subset of 
you know, subjects, I'm just going to call them a subset of particles inside of that one thing. And so wisdom is not to actually find yourself or refrain from absolutisms, which is biases, like drawing towards one thing, one side. It's looking at uh, the electric universe or the electromagnetic universe in its holistic nature. Yeah. It encompasses all things, right? Yeah. And then and then your biases, I'm not saying that you're not going to have a bias because bias is also a trait. It's there for us to use and it, it's having the awareness when you're drawn towards something that's complete nature because it's actually part of your axiology. Mm-hmm. So you're being pulled towards that. But as you're being pulled towards that, wisdom is to actually see that you're, you're being pulled towards it because it's in your axiology and then look for the opposing force that's in it. So therefore you become objective. You can make much more conscious decisions on your next move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that last 30 seconds that you just 20 seconds to touch on is bang on in my mind in the terms of even a precursor to confirmation. I don't know if it's a precursor to confirmation bias, but what's the energy that you're feeling when you're being pulled into your confirmation bias? Cause like I said, as it is, if it is really swayed, right, that should be the first warning bells in your mind to go, Oh, I'm going to attract something here. Well, well let, let's just take it down. Like every human being here is you know, masculine, male, female. Let's talk about confirmation bias. We could break it down in such simple terms. Let's look at relationships, right? So you have a search image, right? We have um, a search image that we're actually drawn towards something in, um, um, in our retinicular activating system, right? Where that's our eye that we're actually drawn towards something that is going to give us confirmation. We could say that that's attractive, right? And, you know, then we create this fantasy around like that's attractive if we're actually searching for a mate or a soulmate or a partner or something like that, right? So we, we get caught up in this confirmation bias by looking at a search image or something that is attractive to us, which is re- relationary potentially to our axiology let's just say we'll use the context of a person and we're looking for partners is that you know we we get this whole influx of vasopressin oxytocin dopamine serotonin which is going to you know like make us feel a little like uh give me a word because (laughs) give me a word around you know like infatuated with something aroused yeah there you go like aroused towards like oh i want to tap that right in and but then you know when it comes into actuality actuality because we're not able to see in that moment like the opposite parts of, of that picture that that person like we may just be seeing a search image and say like well you know like for, for example i'll use like an example that guy's like really hot like he's got a hot body he's got mm. you know so my search image in my confirmation bias is making me aroused and infatuated to be able to be drawn towards with a bias towards that person, right? So let's say that then we actually go ahead and, and we get together and, you know, meets all my, ticks all my boxes in terms of my search image in my confirmation bias, but I haven't been objective in my questioning and I haven't been inject, objective to my infatuation. So then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, as time goes by, what starts to happen is the opposing forces of this person because they do have that. The nightmare starts showing up, right? They, it starts showing up in the form. It's like, oh, shit, I didn't see that before. 
but universe is just trying to bring you into a state of balance because you polarize yourself into an infatuated state and increased all of those um, neurochemicals and neurohormones within yourself so it has to bring in the other side of 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 cortisol pain polypeptides norepinephrine um, testosterone etc to actually say hang on a minute like wake the fuck up kelly you know like have a look at have a really good look at this person and let me show you that he is all traits and he does have the opposing forces right so it calms down calms down the the um the attraction um and the fantasy to that person and then it brings into objectivity that it is okay is this person really congruent to me or is he coherent to me in terms of my axiology Mm, if the yeah. answer is yes, then you'll continue the relationship. If the answer is no, you'll move on. Yeah, well, maybe if you it depends if you're conscious or not. But the, this is why the whole six month honeymoon phase is so. Anyone has heard the whole oh, they're in the honeymoon phase. Love is blind, right? Love is blind, <laughs> and uh, as I've said, in um... blind spot, love is blind. There's a blind yeah, spot yeah. in your love, right? Confirmation <laughs> bias in terms of your retinicular activating system. <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Yeah, so I, I love this part because I go, ah, fucking universe, cosmic giggle, you motherfucker, you just fucking put a blind spot in there for me to wake up yeah. to. <laughs> cosmic giggle, as you were yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really is a thing. And I guess it's, it really depends on, because the game of life is the rules that you make it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've still made it, I've become more hyper aware on it. I do my best not to say right or wrong. I've now, if anything, I have biases to, um, at least in my mind, go, you know, in terms of life physics, is this um, is this entropic or entropy or is this neg entropy, so to speak? Because then I, and then I also use life physics as it relates to my axiology. Is this giving life to my axiology or is this causing death to my axiology, if that kind of makes sense? And that's probably something else, another podcast we can touch on. Because then it gives a bit more of a, an objective feedback loop and it kind of gets rid of the morals and ethics of right or wrong and rather you look at it as it giving life breath of life to me or is it was it taking breath and, and life away from me and again i'll build there's something else to be built out on another podcast um but for sure ha- having that that feedback of a confirmation bias to to go okay i'm, I'm out of whack here and i'm going to attract the other side um mm-hmm. For those listening, depending on where you're at, whether this makes sense or, or, or no sense at all. The biggest thing is if it makes no sense at all, all it takes is for you to start to have the awareness of whether it be in a relationship and business and finances, you'll see how gullible that you become to opportunities because you're infatuated with what you think it's going to give you. And if you find the same behavior pattern repeating, so as in buying more courses or you're going from relationship to relationship, trying to find this infatuation of this expectation of love or whatever it happens to be. Now, maybe by hearing this, you'll become more aware to how polarized, how one-sided you are trying to seek what one, what one uh, you know, you're trying to seek one side. And this shows up a lot within, religious constructs and institutions and swaying the masses because uh, we weren't brought up and taught that everything has two-sided and that that most things are along the way in life is actually it involves a little bit of challenge and work right 
it's not just easy an easy path to be able to do that and it's the exactly your words like if you're gullible you will be actually taken advantage of because you're putting people on a pedestal relative to where you are and so you will attract the opposing force we could say like gullible will actually attract the narcissist to be able to bring you back into balance right they will either take from you but this is the laws of predator prey um, in the in the uh, existential form of that if you are gullible you are prey so you will attract a predator to actually bring you into a state of equilibrium so having that awareness of what are your infatuations actually driving you towards or from is is also really bringing that into your awareness too as well i remember i remember being in listening to like this business group that i was in years ago listening to somehow i ended up on a table next to the guys that were uh they actually owned the group right and i remember and it stuck with me like this thing is that uh, he was, they were joking amongst partners, right? And they, they were talking about defining what it is that they actually do. And one of them throughout this is that um, we are basically peddlers of hope to, to the unconscious. And I just, I was like triggered as fuck with that because I, I was in that group. But I tell you what, it actually really made me stop and think like in that moment i was like all right what's the objectiveness to this because it's, there's an element of truth in there why were you triggered what what, what specifically triggered you because then? i'd paid in and i was a client and i felt disrespected that they were actually peddling hope to the the unconscious oh, and right. that they were taking advantage of those that didn't know but i was so grateful for that comment because it stuck with me Yep. of it was a charge that stuck with me and it made me really open up to okay what is hope and ask that question and again i think because like i am one of those people that ask many questions and uh to find the answers to everything is that when we when we have hope we are looking for a quick fix and we're not in the essence of objectifying what it is that we need to do and take responsibility accountability for our own productivity and looking at all the aspects of of what it is that we can do what we can be to be able to to create the very thing that we want right or be being that that responsible aspect of you know i'm not just going to hope and i'm going to come across to this course and and be in the moment. I see this with so many people at those particular, they come across and it just becomes a networking event, right? They just want to be social, but they're, they're not actually doing anything in their yeah. businesses. And they're hoping that just by osmosis, by being within that, which can happen sometimes, but not to the degree that they probably want, that it's going to all of a sudden right, take their business to it or their life to it, to another layer. You have, to actually, you have to actually do the work. That's the next level of denseness, though. I mean, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm more, if anything, I'm masculine of, of a feminine quite often, but it's it's um to think that you can just be surrounded in the environment and think that's enough. Like, as you were talking before, I had this, you know, flag in the ground moment of like, fuck it, you know, like as a consultant, it, I, I shouldn't, I don't want to be um, promoting anything less than six months. You know, when I look at my journey and, and at least coming across you as well, Kelly, like 
it's been probably almost a year. And um, how, can, how can you, in, in any friends that I've seen buy into courses and programs that say they're six weeks or eight weeks, what real change can you get in six to eight weeks? And you've got to remember, life still goes on as normal outside these programs. So what, what real change can you get in six to eight weeks? Now, depending on if it's just tactical and strategical or if it's at the emotional behavioral level, you'll get some pretty big changes at the behavioral level. Um, and again, I'm not slamming these other marketing programs because the information in it's quite sound. But the thing that gets often missed and we've touched on many times now is, is the emotion, the behavioral component. Now, Paul Check, I, I don't know if he was reciting someone else, but I heard it from Paul Check saying, you know, pain is the quickener of consciousness, which is another beautiful way of, in our, in our another world of saying, you know, voids create your values. Pain creates the void, you know. So this is when we can have a new appreciation and, and gratitude for the pain that comes into your life. If you're experiencing a lot of pain in relationships at the moment or health, uh, for my, for example, at the moment, mum, her health. So she now really values learning more about health so she can become more empowered in the area. So by looking at the pain in your life rather than demonizing and wish you didn't have that pain, well, that pain is giving you the very meaning to your life because you're seeking to, to fulfill that pain and in, in through information, through through help, through friends, through through many different forms. So wisdom is in that. <clears throat> Absolutely. Pain is a wonderful thing. I love pain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, you know, you might be listening to this podcast. And, oh my god, she's nuts! You know, like she now she's talking about she loves pain. She must be like a um, what is it, sadist or something? No, it's 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 being in the presence of pain, right? And looking at how pain can be of service to you in multiple different aspects, you know, physical pain, emotional pain, business pain, you know, uh, family, whatever, whatever you want to associate pain to is, but again, we're conditioned to actually avoid it, mm. right? It's, it's we're actually... so conditioned to avoid pain as opposed to looking at the service of pain. What is pain providing to me? What is the, what is, how is my pain creating a blind spot, right? And how is my pain actually associated to a confirmation bias? And, uh, you know, how is, how is the pain, what is pain trying to reveal to me, right? And where is the pleasure in the pain? Because yeah. it's there. It's that, there. That, that'll make you sound more like a sadist. Because <laughs> 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 like, this bitch is 50 shades of grey. It's funny, I was, I was just thinking of a, of a, I don't know if you call it a metaphor, but, you know, pain is the, Pain is what to think, not how to think. Yeah, exactly. And, and when I say that is it's kind of like I've grown to love um, feedback. You know, I jumped on this podcast just before with Kelly before starting. And I said, man, I'm feeling really lethargic today. And and I can I can tell you guys listening that when you become uh, when you become more invested in being a bit more polymathic as far as what you love to learn and not just at the surface level of reading a title, but go a bit deeper. You become a bit more, you get a little bit more of an overview effect on being able to um, observe and experience the feedback 
And what I mean is that if, if you have a high value on health and you're a personal trainer or that's your world, then you're going to look at a feedback of energy in the body. Let's just say you're feeling lethargic through the form of probably maybe like nutrition or I over-exercised yesterday, which could be accurate. You go to an osteopath and then you say, well, you're, you're, you know, you got this out of alignment. You know, so each, each vertical, each specialty is going to have their own version of, of feedback. And the more you can become holistic to looking at those areas, uh, that's why I have, I, And Ben's disappeared off, off that he's been kicked off his laptop at the minute. So we'll wait for him to come back in. Okay. Sorry, it's a bit of a rookie. My laptop just died. So when we look at um, the, overview, uh, the overview effect of different verticals, different areas of life, you can have a greater, it just means that you can have a greater degree of certainty over knowing where you're out of alignment. You know, is it because I'm living by lower values in my axiology? Is it something that I drank and ate? Is it my sleep? You can really have more governance over the cause and effect that you're creating in your life, right? And when I say the overview effect, I believe I first heard that come from, you know, when astronauts go into space and they're looking back down on the Earth, it creates this overview effect of space looking back down to Earth. It's the same thing. If you can have the governance over looking down into your life, the more holistic you are, the more governance you can have over the cause and effect. And then you'll probably have some um, people then questioning around free will and predestination, which can probably be another uh, podcast that we'll, we'll touch on. Definitely. See, we could riff off on all different directions here and you're starting to realize that everything's entangled, that really everything that we do, who we are, as we are, as a species in humanity is holistic in nature. So wisdom is to refrain from being totally specialist and becoming more holistic in the way that you choose to live your life, right? Yeah. So and that's just a caveat to end on because you and I have laughed about it. And if you choose not want to have any control and governance over your life, there is also a bliss and ignorance to just living like the masses and going about life because, um, Fortunately, you just you don't uh, live up to the responsibilities and accountability of living, which there is a, a level of um, comfort in that, which is why most people stay there. So I just want to put that in there. Very true. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and, you know, in the aspect of, you know, that's completely okay too, you know, that if you choose to be that, so be it, you know. Yeah. And, and we're just being authentic in, in who we are, in sharing information as we are. And it's available or unavailable for you to do whatever you choose to do with it. Yeah. That's why I say, you know, there's the, the rules of life. You play it as you will. And uh, you can break the laws of life for, as far as the society you live in. But, you know, there's obviously consequences to that as well. We're living that with Corona at the moment. New Zealand just got put down into level two and three. And I just kind of laugh, but it is what it is. You have to adapt to whatever situation, you know, the society that you're living in. Yeah. And that's a, the universal laws, you know, I can only really come back to the, the laws of, of uh, the universe, the ones that are, uh, you violate those laws, you will get uh, feedback in a, beautiful, in a beautiful way. So wisdom is to actually know what those universal laws are and work within those, adapt as they adapt because they do and flow with those. Perfect. I love it. Cool. Cool, yeah. Awesome. 
Thanks, okay. guys, for listening to another episode of the Human Source Codex. Thanks, Kelly, for your time and your wisdom of the ages. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.